All right, we are live, Charles Moskowitz, Monday through Friday, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We take calls here, even though we're, a live, we're an online program. 617-396-4958 is the number. 617-396-4958 if you'd like to chat with us. We're at rumble.com slash Moskowitz. Brandon Straka is my guest from Walk Away. Brandon, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I've been wanting to talk with you for quite a while. I admire your work. Um, I guess that my first question is that given the fact that you were liberal and that you gave an objective look at uh, President Trump when he was in office and you began to see that everything didn't add up in terms of how the media was covering him, which made you as an honest man decide to think differently about it, it must have been kind of, I mean, I can't imagine how discouraging it must have been to have to go through the events that you went through at the um, delegation assembly, of course, January 6th, which is an event that happens every four years. And it's a time when the new president is confirmed by the delegates. So I, I just want to start there. I mean, what, what, what was it like? For, what, you know, how do you feel about all of that? Uh well, it, how was it? It was, it, it has been horrific. Uh, mm -hmm. It continues to be horrific. Uh, it's not really over for me uh, yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I went to D.C. on January 6th. I stood outside the Capitol uh, shooting a video for eight minutes. And then I uploaded that video to Twitter. And the next thing that happened was uh, two weeks later, the FBI raided my house, got me out of bed, presented me with a search warrant and took me to jail. Um, the government charged me with uh, two felonies and a misdemeanor and um, threatened me with a third felony of obstruction of Congress. And um, through that pro situation, I ended up taking a misdemeanor plea deal um, and then uh, spent some time in jail and uh, three months on house arrest, three years of federal probation, um, a $5,000 fine, $500 restitution to the Capitol, uh, court-ordered community service and mental health services. And um, I'm also now being sued by eight Capitol police officers who I've never met in my entire life uh, who are working on the other side of the building before I arrived on Capitol grounds, uh, who nonetheless are suing me for uh, aiding and abetting assault and battery. And all of this simply because you stood on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol. You didn't even go in. Right. In spite of the fact that we now have uh, it's just a fraction of the video finally coming out, thanks to Speaker McCarthy giving it to Tucker Carlson and showing that, that uh, people were ushered in. They were generally polite. I'm not saying everybody was perfect, but generally speaking, most people that went in thought that they were being allowed in because the Capitol Police were ushering them in, including the famous QAnon shaman, uh, Chansley, where we now see video of him literally being escorted through the hallways. And, uh, you know, so, so the whole thing, I think that it's becoming obvious that this whole thing was not exactly what the public assumed it was. They kept re-showing and re-showing videos of people charging into the Capitol constantly, like it was on a loop. And we also are getting more evidence that the ringleaders, such as Ray Epps and the guys up on the um, platforms with the bullhorns, and this other guy known as Ginger Gunn, who was the only person there with a, a weapon, they were never charged. 
They were never questioned. They were all walking free. While someone like yourself, who was there simply filming, and hundreds of others are still in prison, what's called a gulag, which accurately, without being charged, where they're being tortured, where in one case a man lost his eyesight, they're being denied medicine, and they're basically undergoing something that we would be more likely to expect historically at Lubyanka prison in the Soviet Union. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these, uh, I, I will say the one thing that a lot, I hear a lot of people say, which is not entirely accurate is that um, these guys are not being charged. Uh, so everybody has been charged. Okay. I mean, that, that, that is true um, because that would be so flagrantly unconstitutional. It's even for, DC justice, I can't imagine that would be allowed to stand. Um, now, I think I, I think it's uh, very fair to say that people are being hideously overcharged. Um, that's a truth. And, and people are certainly being charged for things that they didn't do and um, expected to basically, you know, take plea deals and, you know, have to tango with the government on a lot of false accusations and a lot of false um uh, false accusations about their motivations and intentions. Uh, that's very big mm. to the government is basically saying, you know, this person went with a motivation to do this or an intention to do this or an intention to do that. So they're being charged for an, an intention as opposed to an actual crime? Well, you know, I think there, I think the whole idea is that there can't be a crime without intent or that in, intent is a, a, a major factor in establishing a crime. So what they don't want is to mm -hmm. basically have this narrative that a spontaneous riot broke out and that, you know, some people acted very badly on the spur of a moment um, when their passions right. became inflamed. What when, they and when they were egged on by these ringleaders who were possibly and most likely FBI agents, informants, assets, people, and the evidence for that is that they've never been charged. Ray Epps has never been charged. There's seven videos of him all on YouTube. Maybe YouTube's taken him down by now saying, we've got to go into the Capitol. He right. did this the day before the event. And who came up with that idea? What do you mean go into the Capitol? I mean, and then there's, swing, then there's a video of him sitting there whispering something in the ear of one of the Capitol police. And all of a sudden the doors are swinging open. Right. So, you well, know, uh, anyway. No, I, I, it's it's like, isn't that something, you know, because I was actually accused of standing outside the Capitol and saying the words go, go to encourage people to go inside the Capitol. And that was part of the reason why they originally charged me with a felony. Um, so it is it is very interesting to wonder why somebody who was screaming for two days, go inside the Capitol, go inside the Capitol, go inside the Capitol is not really of interest to them. But um, when I allegedly said the words go, go out 35 feet away from the building, um, that was felonious in their mind. Right, whatever that meant. But, right. the, but the point is that on the one hand, you had them swinging open the doors and people just thinking that they were allowed to go in. And there's now video, as I say, coming out, thanks to Tucker Carlson, that shows that they were largely peaceful and it goes against the narrative. And on the other hand, you had some of the Capitol Police acting violently as in the shooting in cold blood of Ashley Babbitt and the stomping to death of, of uh, Roseanne Boylan and, and other events like that. There have been a couple of suicides now of young people who went into the Capitol just to be there. 
you've got people inside the Capitol, like the cameraman Sullivan, who is connected to, I believe, Antifa, who had never has never been charged. In fact, he was interviewed the next day on on MSNBC. I mean, uh, the thing is that the whole thing doesn't look right, doesn't smell right, and you have to ask, like any any good police investigator would ask the question, qui bono, who benefited? Who benefited was Biden and the deep state and the regime because the the assembly for ratifying the election, which happens every four years, it didn't take place. Instead, there were seven states that were going, six states and possibly a seventh, that were planning on contesting the seating of their delegation. That's something that has happened going back to Jefferson, who uh, as president of the assembly declared himself president of the United States. I mean, that's not new. It happened in 1824, happened in 1871. It happened more recently as well. And in the middle of the first, and when a state asks for such a hearing with the signature, a joint signature of at least one senator and one rep, the president of the assembly, and in this case, that would have been Mike Pence, they then call for hearings. And the hearing can last up to two hours. And there were, there were six states that were about to do this. And if at the end of the hearing, the president of the assembly can then choose to not seat the delegation or send it back to the state for reconsideration. And it, it it's all in the constitution. This is all legal, it's all lawful. But in the middle of the first hearing for Arizona, because they called an alphabetical order, and I was watching it on television, it was sensational. They were laying out the evidence. I had to step away for about five minutes to do something else. I came back and I see the guys battering the door in and I'm like, holy crap, you know, this is not good. But the point is that the whole thing was canceled the minute the guy with the uh, Viking hat shows up and then they reconvene at midnight without the media, without hearings, without anything, and they just gavel Biden through. So who were the insurrectionists here? I mean, it's just, it doesn't look right that, that President Trump or that uh, his movement which has been massively peaceful. He's had rallies with hundreds of thousands of people, never a violent incident. That they would do this to interrupt that assembly? That assembly would have exonerated President Trump. It would have been finally, I think, would have been finally an opportunity for the American people to see evidence, if there was any, that there had been fraud in those six states. Didn't happen. Right. So, you know, I, I think, you know, everyone I knew uh, wanted to have a 10 day reprieve to forensically audit the vote just to Indeed. ensure that, you know, the election was um, straightforward, you know, that that every person, every American citizen got exactly one vote, that nobody who was a non-American citizen was voting, that every voter was alive and not a felon and, uh, you know, legally right heard in the state they were voting in and uh, that their signature matched or that they had a signature. I mean, there was, and um, that's what we were there for was to ask for mm. you know, the 10 day reprieve for a forensic audit. And that was disturbed by uh, the, the disturbance at the Capitol and by, you know, what happened next. So really the people who lost out the most were people on the mm. right, Trump supporters who wanted um, to kind of rally their, their uh, representatives and say, you know, we, we, we want to be heard. And, and of course, President Trump had been planning this in advance. 
I mean, I certainly spoke about it on my show, and I, I, I basically everybody expected something weird to happen. I mean, there'd be some sort of a an Antifa action. It was even predicted that you would have people showing up in Trump gear and causing trouble. Nobody that didn't surprise anyone. What I think was the surprise was the the fact that Capitol was unguarded and that people were led into the Capitol. Um, and that's something that is on the head of Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. She's responsible. She was responsible for security at the Capitol. President Trump requested in, enhanced security, and she not only didn't provide it, but they actually scaled it back. I mean, this is at a federal building that would be house, hosting one of the most important events in in history every four years, and you know, with security, and there was nothing. So, I mean, I, I hope that the truth starts to come out now. Now, Brandon, you say that you are being charged even now by eight Capitol Police officers. What is that about? I mean, well, yeah. it, it's not that I'm being charged. It's I'm being sued. Um, so uh, it's a it's a George Soros funded nonprofit law firm out of Washington, D.C. that's suing me and about um three dozen other conservatives and they're suing us um initially so they went out and found eight capitol police officers who are black and brown people and oh. um they're they were suing us under the kkk act initially claiming you know like a racial bias conspiracy and you know that these that we attacked officers based off of their skin color and all of this nonsense and um but again, I, I mean, I want to, first of all, you know, I, I spent an entire year being um, investigated by the Department of Justice and the FBI. They had my phones, my iPads, my computers. They went through all of my text messages, my emails, uh, everything. And at no point was I ever accused of or charged with any violent crime. So I was never accused of hurting mm -hmm. anyone or trying to hurt anyone right. or anything like that. Uh, nonetheless, they've decided to include me in this lawsuit. And um, so I'm now facing counts of aiding and abetting assault and aiding and abetting battery against eight black and brown Capitol Police officers who are essentially alleging that I'm a white supremacist who was trying to hurt them. And, um, you know, I'm forced to go forward and defend myself in this case. And it will be very costly and, and you know, uh, a very arduous and exhausting thing. And most, and you look, you're a media savvy guy. You had an organization, you were an activist. So you're a bit more uh, situated to handle this kind of frightening and monstrous assault. But a lot of people aren't. You know, you have these right. little old gray haired ladies who are being entertained and who are being accused, and, and they've never done anything in public. And, you know, we have average citizens, hundreds of them now being held in this gulag in the basement of this horrible this uh, you know monstrous uh, facility yeah. and and the fact is you didn't attack anyone let alone a black officer you attacked nobody there right um we don't know if these eight black and brown officers were attacked they were there doing their job they may have had a scuffle or two who knows that's you know how many people had scuffles during the George Floyd attacks i mean there were four right. I remember there were four officers who were, who, were, who were murdered outright while they were sitting in their staff car by a guy who was following that group. Um, and so, you know, I don't think that any officers were, no officers were killed on that day. 
We now see Officer Sicknick was he died later that night um, in his sleep, but he was fine. I mean, it's not like you know that's a very difficult job, but you know the idea of suing them, suing people now for that, and even falsely, it's uh, it's frightening. Yeah, well, yeah, and that, <laughs> that's the whole point. I mean, uh, if in fact you were injured on that day, sue the people who injured you. Yeah. Right. Don't sue people who are on the other side of the building at a, a, a another time when you weren't even there. You know, I mean, they weren't even on the same side of the building I was on. And as far as I'm able to tell so far from what they're alleging in this lawsuit, their alleged injuries occurred before I even entered Capitol grounds. So I, I don't know how I'm responsible for these people getting hurt. But, you know, this is this is the dishonesty of January 6th. And this is Honestly, it's the dishonesty of the narrative of racism, too. These two things are coming together and, and being right. married. It had nothing to do with any, I mean, people's views on, on race had nothing to do with anything. Right. Um, you know, that it's right. it's really irrelevant and it's a it's really a false accusation anyway that feeds into this whole, you know, drama that um, people are spouting um, on the left, which is that somehow people... President Trump and people around him have something against black men and women, which is a goddamn lie. Right. And uh, I mean, Trump all of a sudden, he was a heroic figure among black people until he stepped off the elevator. Then all of a sudden, we, oh, he doesn't like black people. I mean, it's just, right. it's, it's, it's in this society, in this free country, it's an ugly and vicious accusation that can really damage a person. And it's untrue. It's just, you know, it's false. If you want to see racism, take a look at Greater Boston. In some of these lily white, ultra left wing suburbs, you won't find so many black people. But putting that aside, um, you, Brandon, have a social network media that you're rolling out. I want you to talk about that. Yeah. So um, we're launching, we have launched Walkaway Social this week. Um, it's available right now on the Apple App Store. It'll be available on the Google Play Store, we believe, sometime within the next hopefully three days. Um, and you can also sign up on the web. So if you're an Android user and the app is not quite available right now, you can always go to walkawaysocial.com. And basically what this is, is uh, a platform that functions very similarly to Facebook, but we've designed it to rebuild the walkaway community that was lost when Facebook banned us in 2021. So we had grown to over 510,000 patriots in the walkaway campaign, and we had tens of thousands of videos and written testimonials of people telling their stories about why they're walking away from the Democratic Party or why they walk with those who walk away. Mm -hmm. and, um, and all of that content was gone when Facebook banned us. So my team and I decided to build our own platform. It took an enormous amount of work and, in fact, two years to build, but we're finally there and we launched it. We have beautiful mobile apps. Like I said, they're available right. now on the Apple App Store. The uh, Android app is coming this week, but you can sign on now at walkwaysocial.com. Please do. Everyone watching, please go uh, to walkwaysocial.com or uh, go uh, to your app store and load the apps. They're they're really amazing. And you can, again, start watching the stories that are coming. We have dozens of videos that have come in in just this last week of people telling their stories about walking away from the Democratic Party. It's really extraordinary. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up myself right after I talk to you, and it looks great. I'm gonna Thank put you. a link. I'll put sure I'll put a link to it up on my website, charlesmoskowitz.com. Uh, why did how did Facebook justify taking down your site? I mean, uh, and and are you considering suing Facebook for that? 
you know, we never got an answer to that question. Um, basically, you know, we got a, uh, uh, we all woke up one day, I think it was January 8th of 2021. And every member of my team were locked out of our accounts. We had a message saying we were permanently banned. Um, and then the group was gone and we started hearing from everyone. The group was gone. And the message that we got was very extreme. It was unlike anything that any of us had ever seen before from Facebook. Um, this wasn't something that said your account is suspended. If you feel like this is a mistake, click here, mm -hmm. um, which oftentimes people get. It was yeah. just a message that said your account is permanently banned. This cannot be appealed. It's over. No explanation. And no explanation. And we did hire an attorney and the attorney reached out to Facebook and we never got an answer from Facebook. And while we were waiting, um, because remember, it was only about two weeks later when I got raided by the FBI. So when that happened, it was like my focus just became about what the hell is happening in my life and my criminal case. I mean, honestly, it, it, it was probably many, many months later before I even remembered like, oh, where did we leave off with Facebook? <laughs> You know, uh, I think you were busy being in prison. Yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, exactly. There were other problems going on. And yeah. the, the demon deep state, I mean, this is like, I mean, it's really ugly. I mean, Zuckerberg wrote a check for $420 million to for street money for people to help defeat Trump. So just to show where they're coming from, um, they are going after hundreds of thousands of people in your case and, you know, your organization and simply wiping it out you're reconstituting it. I'm only, the thing that makes me concerned is that uh, given the atmosphere that we're in now, like this kind of Gestapo-like atmosphere where they're knocking people's doors down at four o'clock in the morning, like an, like a guy like Roger Stone and they're dragging him out of bed in his underwear and putting him out the front lawn mm. with, with, with CNN filming, people are going to be afraid, you know, to sign up. Are you getting people signing up? And I mean, it's an act of courage as an American to go out and say, yeah, I'm going to do this. Here I am. Yes, people are signing up. Um, and like I said, we already have wonderful videos rolling in. So it's been great. I think the people have kind of gotten past this point of wanting to live in fear of their government and wanting right. to you know, be pushed around and intimidated. I think at this point, people are saying, no, we're, we're, we're not going to get pushed around. This is America. Uh, it's not communist China. It's not Russia. Um, this is a free country. We want, we intend to keep it a free country and, um, no, we're not going to be intimidated and threatened and pushed around by our government. So I think that especially what's happened this week with the tapes coming out and people starting to see the Democrats are lying as usual and they're creating, um, you know, false narratives and division through all of their propaganda. Um, I think that's being exposed again. And I think that people are saying this is enough, enough is enough. And, uh, you know, we're not going to be afraid to go to our PTA meetings. We're not going to be afraid to challenge our school boards. We're not going to be afraid to rally and, and march and show up for causes that are important to us. And we're sure as hell not going to be afraid to sign up for a social media platform and, uh, you know, build a community and listen to stories of people who are who also have had enough and are feeling fed up. So, no, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think that people have been pushed past their limit. And I think that that's mm -hmm. actually going to cause more and more people to walk away. Well, you know, I think that you're on the cusp of hopefully a, a genuine social movement, although I, I don't, and this is anecdotal, I don't sense that people are stepping out and, and active. I don't, you know, where are people's, uh, where's people's outrage over, 
you know, forced vaccines and and real kind of stuff going on out there. I mean, I don't see it in this country. I mean, I, I thank God for the Canadian truckers, you know, and they, they put a stop to the mandates. But where are Americans? Where are Christians? What's going on? Yeah, well, we I mean, we definitely need more of it. Uh, but I, like I said, I mean, I think that people are starting to feel pushed past their limits at this point, And hopefully that outrage is going to translate into action at this point. Um, there certainly has not been enough outrage and enough um, support and outreach for January 6th defendants um, and a number of other things that are happening in this country. But hopefully that will begin to change now. As a former liberal Democrat and as an openly gay man, are you in touch with your former community and people who used to be concerned about individual rights and police abuse and authoritarianism? I mean, where are they? Uh, you know, I'm really not, honestly. It's uh, I was kind of excommunicated from the LGBT community when I made a decision to walk away and become a Republican and a Trump supporter. So at this point, you know, we're in a way kind of rebuilding our own community uh, of because there's a large number of minorities in this country who are leaving the left, whether we're talking about, you know, black Americans, Hispanic Americans, LGBT Americans, a lot of people um, are realizing that they've been lied to and betrayed and manipulated by the Democrats and the left. And so uh, they're coming and joining Walk Away. And we also have a lot of LGBT people joining Walk Away. I would think you would. Yeah. Yes, so I mean, anyway, would... You know, I, I mean, a lot of a lot of former Democrats and liberals who used to talk about the FBI, right, and and, and J. Edgar Hoover and the abuse and Cointelpro, and now all of a sudden with the FBI doing all this crap, they're saying nothing. Right. I mean, well, I, I've reached out to them to see if they come on the show. They won't. People who used to talk to me won't anymore because of this. And and th these are issues that I assumed they cared about. I don't know if they ever did though. Well, I think they care about these issues when it affects them or affects people who are politically like-minded to them. But I think if it's a if these issues affect their political opponents, then suddenly um, it's not very important to them anymore, honestly. And um, I'm dealing with this on an everyday basis. I mean, there's even um, today, just earlier, I was on Twitter and I was sounding off my opinions about the January 6th committee and some of these tapes that are coming out. And yeah. a number of people on liberals on Twitter were saying, um, you know, does your probation officer know that you're sh that mm -hmm. you're putting these opinions out in public and somebody ought to contact your judge and your probation officer? And, you know, I just thought, wow, these people have become so comfortable at this point with uh, the idea of uh, authoritarian abuse, you know, and picking up that phone and calling the FBI and call, you know, and trying to contact people's judges mm -hmm. and probation officers and stuff. It's, you know, these, these government arms have really become agents of abuse for the political left and they, they love it. They love it. They They're love very it. open about it. They're open to Stalinists. I yeah. mean, they, I remember when, as I say, Roger Stone was dragged onto the lawn, they had people celebrating. Oh, good. You know, this is like, I mean, there's no sense of like, scruples anymore there's no sense of proportion it's it's whatever it is they have this bizarre and inexplicable hatred for trump you know orange man bad they can't if you ask them why they can't explain it they go into like a kind of complete you know nonsense i mean they can't really articulate it 
I mean, it makes me wonder if there's not some kind of a massive brainwashing going on. I don't know. I mean, well, I, I think there is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different subject. But anyways, yeah. Brandon, um, listen, I, I really appreciate you joining me. Uh, I've admired your work for a long time. And um, I admire your your strength, your inner strength in, in what you're doing. And I'm, I'm very pleased that you're you're on the right team. I mean, uh, what let let my viewers and listeners know how they can get involved, how they can contact you and your group. Sure. So I would highly recommend that people get on Walkaway Social right now. Um, like I said, it's uh, available right now in the Apple App Store if you're on you know iPhone or iPad. Uh, you can go to walkawaysocial.com if you want to use on your desktop or your browser. And mm -hmm. uh, our Android app will be available in the Google Play Store within the coming days. So that should be right around the corner. And then we'll be you know basically everywhere. Uh, but you can go to walkawaysocial.com, sign up and cre uh, create a profile, uh, get involved. You can join your state group, our testimonial groups. There's a number of things that we're doing on the platform we want people to be involved in. <coughs> and... Um, and then continue to follow what we're doing. Follow me on social media. I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Truth Social and Getter and YouTube sure. and Rumble and Head uh, um, Social. Um, so, uh, you know, if people can follow me there and find out more ways what we're up to and how they can get involved um, and support Walkway. Support the it's uh, the Walkway yeah. Foundation. You can support us, uh, become a regular contributor. We're doing amazing events and incredible work, and we can certainly use your help. So. Indeed, and you can keep in touch with all your events as they come up and yeah. be involved in them. Brandon Stracker, th listen, thanks so much for joining me. It's an honor. Uh, let's stay in touch. You know, Let me know if there's any events coming up. You're always welcome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, thank you. All right, so that's a Brandon Stracker from Walk Away Social. Check it out. Walk there's a link on uh, the uh, Rumble page here if you want to uh, get information. Um, really, really interesting guy. I mean, it's, he was very great activist in conservative and liberal causes and Democratic Party causes until he, uh, I know, as they say, he was red-pilled. <laughs> or he just, uh, I mean, he did an honest survey of politics and added up what was being said about Trump and what the reality was. This is when Trump already was president. I've heard him talk. He voted for Hillary Clinton. And he realized that there was something that just wasn't quite flying right. There was something that didn't make sense in the attacks against him. It was so vicious and so twisted and so beyond any reasonable, you know, criticism that uh, I think it made him question why. And he began to take a look. I mean, anybody who is a supporter of President Trump knows what I'm talking about here. I mean, I, I certainly can speak to that. I was basically drummed out of a lot of communities when President Trump won. I'm not going to go into personal details, but it, it got so bad that literally I had to change my last name to Moskowitz, which, of course, was the name of my communist great uh, Jewish great-grandfather. <laughs> I went back to it. I mean, I had previously had another name. I still do, technically and legally. Um, because I was not only worried about the, the vicious levels of hatred and that, that, that were being engendered against pre people who supported 
the administration at that time, but also I was informed by members of my own family, my own personal circle, that I could endanger them and their futures by being an outspoken supporter of President Trump. And that in many cases, they hated Trump and they didn't agree with me and they didn't want to be associated with me anymore publicly. And that, uh, you know, I think that when I talk about this, I think I, I, would, I would imagine that this is an experience that most people who were supporters and are supporters of the MAGA movement have experienced. That in a sense, we've become like the Untermenschen. You know, we, we can't speak publicly. We have to be circumspect. I mean, I was just told by my own dear mother the other day, make sure you don't talk about politics. Make sure you don't mention anything. You know, and she's a Trump hater, but she doesn't know why. Um, this, you know, I, I mentioned in passing to Brandon Straka that it seems like this is some kind of a brainwashing reaction, and I think it is. Um, I think that the government knows how to manipulate people's minds and emotions because they've studied this over, over decades, over centuries, actually, and that the perfect model for the manipulation of public opinion is Nazi Germany. Um, if you look at Leni Raffenstahl's films, you can see how brilliant the Nazis were when it came to manipulating the public mind in Germany. Those events that they would hold at Nuremberg and those big nighttime rallies, which they would usually do at night, so that it kind of it's like a it's kind of works like a like a casino. They shut down your senses. If you go into a gambling casino, like in Las Vegas, there's no windows, there's no clocks. They send these odors in, like this, these kind of seductive femorones or whatever. There's all the, the sounds, the dinging, the bells, the, you know, it, and it creates like you become dismoored. You, you forget where you are. It's like a timeless experience. It's almost like you're, you, you, you are existing in another plane almost. This is something that was that being studied and analyzed by psychologists and psychiatrists who are hired by gambling casinos who, who created this. This isn't an accident. And it puts a person in a frame of mind where they are more likely to open up their wallets and spend money, which is what their goal is. My contention is that the government, the establishment, the deep state, whatever you want to call it, what um, what uh, Michael J. Glennon calls the double government, he's coming out with a new book, by the way, and I hope to have him on, that they have learned how to do this on a mass scale. And they've learned how to do it with great expertise. And part of that is public control over enough of the main, the high ground of the media the culture, academia, corporation, uh, you know, funding, money sources, that they can create this sort of semi-hypnotic condition 
And that uh, to go back to the example of the Nazis, those rallies would have like, they would control all your senses. They would be at night where they had huge strobe lights focusing very narrowly on a particular point on a stage. So your vision would be kind of, you know, managed. I mean, even vision itself can be manipulated. You think you're seeing something. Cribidologists have talked about this in, in the case of trials, that you thought you saw somebody do this, but they might have done that because you get used to expecting to see a certain thing. So you do. They control the smells by these bonfires and this burning smell everywhere and the fire and they created like a kind of like a motion and an excitement. They created the sound, of course, with loudspeakers blaring Wagner, you know, very you know, nationalistic, martial, military type music. Um, and so they create so they created this atmosphere where they would then introduce the program one piece at a time until the greatest moment of all when the Fuhrer would show up. And at that point, people were, were fainting. Women were, you know, according to what I've read, some women who even, they were having orgasms. I don't want to go into details about that. But the point is that then when Hitler would be on the stage, he was extremely skillful at manipulating emotion with his 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 rhetoric and it wasn't just his his voice but it was the way he held his body and his body language he'd start out very kind of quiet and he would speak humbly like he would like like he was you know sitting with you at a fireside chat i mean fdr did this too i suppose with the fireside chat Hey, I'm just like you. I'm one of the guys, you know. We're going to sit down and have a nice little chat. Maybe have a little schnapps, you know. We're just going to, just you and me. And he would make that kind of connection. And then he would start to work in a little bit. And he would, because he's already like one over your sympathy. And then he would start building. And he would start building. And he would start building. Until by the end of the thing, he'd be like, literally screaming at the top of his lungs, arms flailing akimbo in the air. And 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 the, the whole audience would be like, I mean, I suppose preachers do this too, except they're doing it for good reason. They're doing it to bring people closer to God. I mean, that's different, right? You know, before, by the I'm going to walk with Jesus. I mean, that's a different thing. I'm talking here about, you know, the intentions are not good here. Their authoritarian intentions. And that people in those conditions where they have lost, in a sense, a sense of individuality at that moment, they've become collective, right? I mean, the old communist word, that they are more susceptible to suggestion. And that's when you can introduce various lies and half-truths that fit your agenda. I mean, I suppose comparable to this would be the ancient practice of idol worship, right? I mean, the ancient idol worship, it wasn't just the word. The reason why the Lord, our, our God Almighty, warned the children of Israel about idol worship and the reason that they were so rejecting of it 
And then whenever they got involved in it, were tempted by it, they would fall morally and, and ethically. It was not just because of the idol, the graven image itself, but it was all the practices around the graven image, throwing the baby into the belly of the Moloch, all the orgies and the sexual immorality and the, you know, the, the prostitutes, both male and female, and all the, you know, the excess and the, the drinking and the, you know, all of the things that went on around those idols would tear down people's sense of individuality, their sense of objective understanding of morals and ethics, which make a person free as that people would become a part of this collective. And thus this, and the reason they, that this happened, it wasn't an accident because these were false images as God says in, in the Torah, was because they were manipulated by people behind the curtain who would then benefit from it because they were enhancing and advancing their own power. And oftentimes they would cloak themselves in, in a, a sense of goodness, like I'm doing good for people because I'm superior. I have a secretive occultic wisdom. I'm a, you know, that, that makes me, gives me a right to do this, to control other people for their own good. And so you have the techniques that were developed in terms of how to manipulate the masses in your country. And if people don't think that's going on now, I think that in our own time, when we no longer have graven images, we have psychological outfits who study this clinically and who then implement it through their organs of a cooperation. That would include the patent, as I say, the, the founder of all of this was Adolf Hitler. And believe me, major leaders since then have studied Hitler. The Clintons studied Hitler and how he spoke. In fact, Charles de Gaulle, it was a biography, he literally, when he would prepare to speak, he would like rehearse in front of a mirror and he would like emulate Hitler's moves. I mean, this was something that was affected by world leaders and has been ever since. And the entire atmosphere around that, just like the atmosphere around the idol worship, the idol that was being worshipped is something that is manipulated to just more people from their basic identity, from their sense that there is such a thing as a moral and ethical code that exists outside of what you want it to be. And that to understand that code is your step toward becoming a free person. And so after World War II and the collapse of the Nazi social experiment, uh, you had in the United States the development of MKUltra as part of the national security apparatus signed into law in 1947 by President Truman, who was concerned about it and I think who meant well, but who was convinced to do it. And that that complemented and that took over the OSS and that complemented like organizations in, in Great Britain, the Tavistock Institute, and the Soviet Polytechnic Institute. All of these working toward developing means by which they could control, manipulate, and for lack of a better word, 
brainwash their populations. They're sheeple, make people compliant, turn human beings into human resources. Um, and if somebody stepped out of line, they would make an example out of that person, like they tried to do, for example, to President Donald Trump. You know, there was a kind of a mass somnambulance. It was almost like, and I think this is what happens, frankly, with the left. People internalize certain things that they know in their heart of hearts are not really good and are not really true and are not really wholesome, but that they also know that there are rewards for acquiescing to it. And there are punishments that can be very dire for opposing it, even in your own mind. And so you have this sort of general malaise. Jimmy Carter talked about this, this malaise, where people just sort of get along and they keep their head low. It usually starts at a young age because your parents are into it, or it starts when you go to college and you realize that in order to get ahead in that world where your parents are spending all that money and in order to have a career, you have to accept certain basic axioms. And I think a lot of the times it's not even something that's really spoken of publicly. I think it's become psychological, it's become internalized. And so you're more susceptible to an agenda that is not in your own self-interest and that is not really progressive. And, you know, they set up these phony oppositions like the rhino Republicans who would just me too to the Democrats. There's no, the uniparty as Steve Bannon calls it accurately. And you have a, you have like a kind of a quick, a, a quack opposition and everybody sort of focuses on, on, you know, minor particulars that they differ on. But in the broad sense, they're all on the same subservient page. And I think that it is that social condition, which of course would have been anathema to the founding generation of Americans that was, was put in place that allowed this deep state to demonize Donald Trump because Trump came along, he was not supposed to win, he's independent, He's a businessman. He's not a hack. He's not a politician who spent his whole his life compromising to get ahead. He can't be bought. He's already a multi-billionaire. He, does, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need to be made famous. He's already famous. He already had a high profile for 30 years before he ran. And he cannot be controlled. And so they had to point their direction toward him and demonize him, not just in the Mockingbird media. And when I say Mockingbird, I mean the church committee, which discovered that members of the media are literally taking satchels of cash in order to report on certain stories in a certain way, but also the higher institutions of learning, the higher institutions of culture, the higher institutions of business, the areas of influence in the United States. That they all understood 
without necessarily receiving literally marching orders, that Trump had to be stopped. He threatened to wake everyone up. He threatened to return power, as he said in his brilliant inaugural, to its rightful owner, the sovereign people under God. And so they had to stop him, and they had to create these lies that he has something against black people, which is complete bullcrap. And they had to conspire to have him removed from office. And they did everything they could earnestly with the impeachment, with with Mueller and his brown shirts, you know, pulling people out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and arresting them for things that had nothing to do with Trump. The P dossier, the spying, the use of foreign agents, the collusion with on their part. And they continued on it. And I think that the events that Brandon Stracker got caught up in were a part of that. They had to stop the hearing at the National Assembly of Delegates because that would have been the final opportunity for the American people to find out about what really happened at the election. We're never going to have, we're not going to know in hard writing because that was stopped. And of course, that activity, that action had multiple benefits. I think they would have liked to have taken it further and been able to have claimed that the people involved were, quote, insurrectionists, unquote. Because if they did that, they could have put a lot more people in prison and they could have restricted freedoms across the board um, and the American people would have had much would become much more compromised in terms of we the people who derive our rights from the creator and not from the state. But I think that they did not get all the way there, <coughs> but they got substantially there. And I think that they're continuing to push it. We now know that the lockdowns and the and all of that was part of a social experiment that had very little to do with stopping a disease that itself was manufactured in a lab. We now know all the lies around that are out there and all the censorship around anyone talking about it, including yours truly. I lost my show on YouTube. I'm not, it was no, but by nowhere as big as Brandon Stracker, of course, who lost hundreds of thousands of followers overnight by Facebook who just pulled the plug without any explanation. But yet I feel hopeful. I believe in God. I think God wins in the end. I think we have alternative medias. I'm doing it right now. And we all continue to find our way forward because we still have the fundamental freedoms and we still have the functions to think and to speak on our own. They haven't completely taken over. I would just ask people who are part of this normie group that hates Trump and that doesn't really function, ask yourself what, what's going on. Do it in your privacy of your own minds. You don't, nobody has, you don't have to tell anybody. <laughs> I know that people have a lot invested in their careers. I've been told this by people who had to distance themselves from me people in my own family, people amongst my own circle. And I understand it. 
I do. I got nothing to lose. They can go F themselves with me. I've already, you know, I'm out here. But other people have a lot invested. And they have to be careful. However, we need to have courage. And we need to see some good people step forward and start blowing the whistle. Because once you do, once one person stands up, there's a psychological term for this or a sociological term. I forget what it is right now. I'm going to think about it. But, you know, it's sort of the situation where one person can stand up and say something and it changes the complexion of the entire organization forever because it rips a little hole in this seamless garment that they've wrapped themselves in. That's all it takes. And it takes courage. It takes inner strength. It takes guts to do that, but it can be done. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. I want to thank Brendan Stracker from the Walk Away Social. Check out Walk Away Social. I'm going to join it right after I sign off today. Let's do that. Let's let's join up with Brandon Stracker's group. They've got courage, you know. He does. He's he's on the on the vanguard of a movement. As are other people. We need to find all of them and work with them and do what we can in our own way. Check out my books, my books, my books. They're available at still available at Amazon.com, even though Amazon, I think, has put somewhat of an algorithm against them, frankly. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get into how I know that, but I've, there are, I have several pieces of evidence. I'm just grateful they're still there. Uh, and you can get them at Amazon Books by putting my name in the server, Charles Moskowitz. That's Moscow, M-O-S-C-O-W-I-T-Z. And you shall see them come up. I am committed to doing this program Monday through Friday, 3 to 4 p.m. Frankly, it's not always live. Sometimes I will rerun a, a previous show. I will acknowledge that because I've got, to, I've got other things I have to do. But I am committed to programming and content Monday through Friday, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on all of the networks you're listening to. Check out my website, charlesmoskowitz.com. I have a new e-commerce site that I'm putting up there that's connected to it, where I am recommending books primarily that I like right now and that I, I want to promote. Check them out, buy them on that website. I'd appreciate that. I don't have sponsors, so that's really how I support the show. And uh, God bless you all. You know, let's be keep the faith. Let's be optimistic, and I am. God bless America for what it is. And uh, have a great afternoon, everybody.